Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. In the song, Truth Be Told, Matthew West sings about two lies that result from misunderstanding Jesus and misunderstanding what it means to follow Jesus. The first lie is that we have to have it all together, or at least appear to, when we come to church. And the second lie is the one we tell ourselves as we are confronted with that first lie. The lie that I am the only one who doesn't have it all together. A story about misunderstanding Jesus, resulting in a lie about how we see ourselves and a lie about how we interact with those around us. It's a story that unfortunately hasn't changed much in 2,000 years. It's the story we see in our gospel reading today. As we put this story into the context of Mark's account of Jesus, let us look for the ways that Jesus corrected the misunderstanding about himself. And then let us explore what truths might guide us as we see ourselves and how we interact with others. We'll begin by looking at this passage in the context of Mark's account of the good news of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. This passage marks the start of the second half of Mark's account, the revelation of Jesus as the Son of God. Peter has just correctly identified and named Jesus as Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. But now comes the more difficult path of learning what it truly means for Jesus to be the Messiah. And Jesus now shifts the language about himself from Messiah to Son of Man. In our biblical imagination, we recall the vision of Daniel as he sees the Ancient of Days seated on the throne, glorious in white, and the Son of Man is presented before him and given an everlasting kingdom, a dominion over all the nations 
and languages and peoples. Then Jesus immediately shifts our imagination to the suffering servant of Isaiah's prophecy. As he begins to teach the disciples that the Son of Man must suffer and be rejected and be killed. And then the Son of Man will be raised from the dead on the third day. But the disciples are not yet able to make this shift. This doesn't picture, this doesn't fit their picture of the Messiah either as military conqueror or religious reformer. The one sent to restore the glory of Israel as the chosen people of God. Surely the Messiah could not suffer. Surely the Messiah would not be rejected by the leaders of Israel. Surely the Messiah could not be killed. Peter even tells Jesus as much as he pulls Jesus aside and tries to correct the messianic vision of the one he has just named as Messiah. As Matthew West reminds us, we still try to erase the suffering, rejection, and death inherent to the way of Christ. Jesus responds with a stinging rebuke. Get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your minds on the things of God, but instead on the sinful, fallen, broken humanity. There's some debate on the idiomatic connotation of this phrase, get behind me. It may simply mean, get out of my way. Or it may mean something more along the lines of, if you are following me, you need to be behind me and watching carefully where I am going. I prefer the second meaning because it fits with the next section as Jesus turns to the crowd and describes what it means to follow him. But regardless of how we read, get behind me. The attribution of the words of Peter to the influence of Satan, the deceiver, the father of lies, is followed by a lesson in discernment. Jesus tells us that deception occurs when we set our minds on the things of man rather than the things of God. How often do we see this in our own lives and in our churches as we try to conform or rather deform our understanding of God to fit with our own view of the world. How much better instead to allow the truth of God to shape our understanding and our experience of the world. Jesus then turns to the crowd and lays out the challenge of discipleship. If anyone would follow me, if you would be my disciple, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and go where I am going. If you cling tightly to the life of this world, to the ways of the kingdom of man, you will not know true life and the kingdom of God. If you seek the riches of this world, you will not know the riches of heaven. If you define honor and glory as this world does, you will be ashamed of me, and you will not know the true glory and honor. Messiah that will suffer and be rejected and be killed. Messiah that will reorder our understanding of life, our understanding of success, our understanding of honor and shame. A Messiah that calls us to deny our very selves and then follow him through the torture and shame of the cross 
to the glory of the resurrection. Indeed, a Messiah that is easily misunderstood. However, if we can begin to wrap our minds around this messianic vision, how might we see ourselves differently? And how might we interact differently with others? Let us now look at the inner journey of discipleship. We first confront that first lie that we have to have it all together and the destructive corollary that if we don't have it all together, we must not be good Christians. Jesus walks the way of suffering, the way of rejection and betrayal, the way of death. Our journey of discipleship is not a journey that leads us away from darkness, but a journey that leads us through darkness to light. Our journey teaches us to get behind Jesus in the darkness, to know that we are not alone, but instead that we walk with him. That as we walk this way, we are walking with Jesus. And as we set our minds on the things of God, allowing the truth of God to shape the way that we encounter and understand our experiences, we find Emmanuel, God with us, even in our times of struggle and suffering. We find our value and worth, our success, our identity, not in the ways of the world, not in our experiences, but in his love. This is the way of self-denial that Jesus tells us is essential. In order to know ourselves as the beloved, we must deny all the other ways in which we have tried to define ourselves. In order to know who we are in Christ, we may not know ourselves in anyone or anything else. Consider for a moment how countercultural this message remains in our modern or even postmodern culture of self. Self-interest, self-reliance, self-determination, self-sufficiency, self-esteem, selfishness. It's what we see all around us. Jesus calls us to deny and reject the empty promise of self and instead walk the way of the cross and follow him to the glory of the resurrection. Paul describes our own baptism in this way. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him and by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Our journey of discipleship our journey of following Jesus is by no means an easy one. We might even call it irrational, since this journey calls us to deny ourselves and to reject the collective thought of our culture, and instead set our minds on the things of God and walk in the way of Jesus. So as we consider what it means to walk in the way of Jesus, let us turn our attention to the outer journey the journey of mission. While the disciples' understanding of the identity of Jesus progresses in Mark's account from teacher to prophet to Messiah, then from son of man to son of David to son of God, the mission of Jesus does not change. 
He comes to proclaim and manifest the kingdom of God, healing the sick and casting out the forces of darkness. Even as he goes to Jerusalem to defeat sin and death on the cross and the resurrection, the mission of Jesus remains the same today. And if we are to follow him, we too will go about our lives proclaiming and manifesting the kingdom of God. The fathers tell us that humility and charity are the two feet required to walk in this way of mission. Humility and charity, the left foot and the right foot, the journey of mission. You know, I had the opportunity this week to attend the Church of Nigeria foreign mission consultation hosted by our primate. Mission churches of the Church of Nigeria from 10 or 15 countries across Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Americas came together over Zoom to discuss and encourage one another as we walk in the way of mission. I am grateful for the invitation and the challenge to see myself and to see our parish as missionaries of the gospel sent by the Church of Nigeria to San Antonio. It's definitely an invitation to walk in humility. I recognize my own lack of humility as one of the presenters displayed a graphic of the globe with Africa as its focal point. I recognized how often I need to see North America as the only focal point of our planet. I recognize my need for humility as another presenter talked about the mission churches of the Church of Nigeria being not only a place for Nigerians to worship as they work and live in other nations, but also for those churches to be a place where the gospel is proclaimed and being made manifest to the indigenous people. And then I realized I was one of those indigenous people in an indigenous culture still in desperate need of the good news of the kingdom of God. And in this meeting, our primate also emphasized the need for charity, for the love of Christ in mission. He opened our discussion on mission with the statement that our desire to see the salvation of souls lies at the heart of mission. Our desire to see the kingdom of God manifest in the community around us springs from the love for the people around us and not from a selfish desire for bigger churches or our own honor and glory. It is love that drives our desire to see people healed and darkness cast out and souls being made whole. The primate continued with the statement that we cannot be on mission without an encounter with Christ. We cannot be on mission apart from the one who sends us. And so we come full circle. Our walk as Christians begins with our encounter with the risen Lord. The encounter in which he reveals who he truly is. And this is not an easy encounter as we see from the, the experience of Peter and later the experience of Paul. It is an encounter that shakes us at the very core of our understanding of ourselves, our understanding of the world around us, and our understanding of God. It is an encounter that must transform us. 
It is in this encounter that we must deny the ways in which we try to define and value ourselves and instead know our true identity as the beloved. It is an encounter that sustains and renews us as we continue to encounter Christ with us, as we following, follow him through our suffering and rejection and even our death to our sin nature. It is this encounter that brings us into new life as we follow Christ and participate in the glory of his resurrection, that we may indeed walk in the newness of life. It is also this encounter that fills us with the humility and charity to follow Christ on mission, to proclaim and manifest the kingdom of God, bringing healing instead of shame, love instead of hatred, light instead of darkness, life instead of death. So it seems fitting to close today with the Collect for Endurance, which we traditionally pray at morning prayer on Fridays. Let us pray. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain, and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life, and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen.